Welcome to another of the 10 Minutes with podcast that Jonathan Strawn and I have been doing during this period of lo- uh, lockdown. And today I'm very happy to be able to spend 10 minutes with Karen Joy Fowler, the Penn Faulkner award-winning multiple nebula, multiple world fantasy. I probably have left some out there, but anyway, it's great to, great to talk with you, Karen. I'm happy to be here. And what we're talking about uh, is, is, has been fascinating to me. Uh, we're asking people, you know, what what they've been reading, and I've been getting such fascinating answers. So you don't have to have a fascinating answer if it's a cheap murder. Because <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. I know that's a lot of pressure. Uh, but what are you reading? What are you what are you thinking about what you're reading? Uh, um, I, sh- I think I should start by saying that um, I am actually having a lot of trouble focusing, um, uh-huh. and I know that. Um, some of my friends are suffering from the same thing that there's the, you know, as, as um, confined as we are to our houses, the outer world is just creating a lot of noise and it's, it's hard to, to put it away. And so um, my reading is kind of scattered all over the place, which is unusual for me. Usually I do one book beginning to end and then I pick up the next one, but now I have a bunch of things going and, um, uh, a lot of them are, as always, um, books that friends of mine have written that haven't uh-huh. been published yet. So I'm getting a first glance at some things that um, other people listening will have to wait for. Uh, I'm reading um, Kim Stanley Robinson's new novel, um, The Ministry of the Future. Wow. I'm reading... Um, uh, the Eye of the Whale by Douglas Abrams. He's a local writer here in Santa Cruz. I'm reading a sort of Harry Potterish book by a friend named Helen Sanders. And I'm reading, and I, this is an embarrassing thing to say because Veronica and I have been friends for so long that it's become awkward to tell her I do not know how to pronounce her last name. Oh, and really? It will be obvious. Veronica Shannon's. Yes, I'm reading her collection of short stories. So all of those are, are things that um, that I have a connection to the author with, and I'm kind of bouncing around. But the the um, books that I'm um, that I'm reading that are not by people that I've written mm-hmm. uh, are I'm reading The Overstory by Richard Powers, and I'm reading a nonfiction book called Nature's Best Hope by Douglas W. Ptolemy, and I'm finding that those two books in um, conjunction uh, are, are really good. Um, they're they're helpful to me in all sorts of ways that I, I'll talk about more when you ask the next question. But I'm I'm very caught up in those two books. I'm, I'm fascinated. I've been wanting to read the Overstory because Powers is one of these writers who seems to be always more or less on the edge of being a science fiction writer. I guess he is, but he's he's also, I guess what you call a philosophical novelist? Yes, and there's a lot of that in the overstory, and it, it happens to hit a lot of the areas that I, too, am most obsessed with. So um, it's just, I, I think it's a beautiful book. The writing is incredible, and, the, um, you know, all the novelistic qualities. Mm. Of, of character and setting are pretty extraordinary, but there is also this uh, this philosophical underpinning about our place in the natural world and um, the 
the various creatures, uh, plant and animal that we share this space with and um, all things that I've been thinking about much of my life, but certainly very intensely since I wrote We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. I was going to say that sounds very much like the theme, well, one of the main themes in that novel as well. Uh, and the nonfiction book was called Nature's Hope. It's called Nature's Best Hope. And it's um, I think it's great uh, for this particular moment in time because um, it's really about um, taking the um, – Science of biodiversity and the effort to uh, save um, the different species and, and, and behave in an ecologically responsible manner into your house and your yard. So it's, oh, it's cool. small steps that you can take without leaving your, the tiny little space that we are now not allowed to leave. So it's, it's kind of perfect and, and also making you feel that, that you can have some control over um, some of the greater forces in the world in a, in a beneficial way. I think so, it's important, yeah. I, it's, I, I, it's very comforting to read and, um, and inspiring. Well, if it's comforting and inspiring, that more or less leads to the second question in our little list, which is what do you recommend people to read under times of stress and uh, confinement? Exactly. Uh, and I think that's a that's a really good one. You know, it gives you some things to do. It gives you some things mm -hmm. to think about and it gives you a sense that, um, you know, it's um, one of the things that uh, I have been moved by in this period is the the compliance uh, of people with these extraordinary sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, we are now just, I feel, on the tipping point of seeing the non-compliance um, beginning to make a lot of noise. And so I'm less moved than I was a week ago. But, uh, but you know, there there is a sense, I think, that we are doing something together and that it will take all of us. And that that sense is also in that book that, you know, um, your your small contribution and your small part of the world is certainly not sufficient, but it's it can be part of a greater whole that can be very powerful. And, um, I, yeah, and my, my sense is that uh, I, the, the, the protests, the kind of wacky protests of the last couple of weeks, is a, I, th I think it's a, those are people who are protesting everything all the time. And I think that your point about the vast majority of us being probably kinder than we have been to each other in years and certainly compliant uh, and, and, and commonsensical. I, I'm impressed at how much common sense the vast majority of us seem to have these days. I am too. And uh, Kim Stanley Robinson said to me just the other day, you know, that it proves that we really do believe in science. When, when push comes to shove, we believe the scientists and we are willing to do what the scientists say. But it is interesting that, um, you know, we are willing to take these steps under these circumstances, but we are not willing to, we have not been willing to take similar sorts of steps in order to address the climate change crisis. Well, one um, of the questions. That, no, that's something that I feel um, is a place you can look in this particular period because there are possibilities in that part of uh the political world opening up because of this other thing that's happened. Mm -hmm. 
And this is, well, this has been one of Stan Robinson's main themes his whole career, I guess. I, I should, But I, I think you're right. I think the idea that we've discovered that collective action based on scientific evidence is something that works. And if, if, if we as a society have learned that through this, maybe we'll think about applying it to other matters. I'm sorry. My dog has arrived with a ball. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away for just a second and lock her out of the room. Okay, fine. Start to make a lot of noise around the ball. Well, we are talking again with Karen Zoe Fowler, who's um, recommended a couple of very interesting books, nonfiction and fiction. But unfortunately, uh, I should mention this to our listeners. You and I won't be able to read the new Kim Stanley Robinson novel for some time, even though it sounds terrific. Yes, yes. That's that's why I'm not uh, I'm not pushing it, because that would just be cruel. That would just be <laughs> It's, you're teasing us. Well, the third question is, what do you have out in the world that you'd like us to um, pay attention to these days? I don't really have anything out in the world at the moment. Uh, I am in the end game of a novel that I've been working on for quite some time. And I think that has added to the difficulty that I'm having fo- focusing on other things, because when I get to this point where I can see the finish line, uh, it takes up more and more and more of my brain space. So yeah. I hope I will have a different answer to that question um, in uh, a few months. But at the moment, I'm I'm just working on what I've been working on for a very long time. And you're still doing uh, uh, heroic duty with the well, I guess um, I'm I'm blanking on it now. The the otherwise award. The otherwise award, which has I just been announced. Um, have not been on the board of that for a number of years. So oh. I'm, you know, kind of still there in an advisory capacity and certainly still very interested in it and very supportive of it. But I am not in any way doing heroic duty. That has passed okay. to other people. And what about the Clarion? Uh, are you still? There, I am still um, very involved in that. And we just uh, a week or so ago um, made a decision that was partly forced on us and partly really the only sensible thing to do, which is that for the first time in 52 years, we will not be holding Clarion. We had already selected the class, so Mm -hmm. uh, that's very disappointing. It was a group we were extremely excited about, but we will just uh, take the year and um, bring them all in, hopefully, next summer. Uh, The same group. The same group, yeah. We'll just... just, uh, take a pass this year. We talked about moving it online, but that would just be such a degraded clarion experience. And we felt in the end, it would be very unfair to this year's class to, to do that. So we decided to postpone. Yeah. All of the uh, conventions, uh, conventions and meetings and workshops have faced that decision. And um, for for example, ICFA, thought about doing a partly online thing and then decided pretty much what you decided that uh, it's 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 not fair to the people who are uh, um, who are involved in it and who you know could have the real experience a year later or even maybe six months later um, yes so, and especially a writing workshop and especially the nature of clarion uh, even though I've never been to one or attended one I've certainly know a lot of people who've been students and teachers there and it just strikes me as 
intensely immersive in a way that you can't replicate online. Exactly. And I think the intensely immersive part is the part that works. If, you know, if there's a magic yeah. in the model, that's where the magic is. So we don't want to do it without the magic. Absolutely. Well, again, we've been talking today with Karen Joy Fowler, um, and this is Gary Wolf um, speaking on behalf of the Cood Street Podcast and our 10 Minutes With. Thank you very much, Karen, for being with us. Well, thank you. This was a treat. Okay. Bye. And...